Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heroes Mindset Podcast. Today, I have on with me Nicole Spindler, the author of Beyond Life's Moments. I love it. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much, Nick, for having me on your show. So first, I'd love for you to explain to everybody, what is Beyond Life's Moments? What are you all about? And tell us about you. Absolutely. So a little bit about me. Um, I um, reside in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, and currently by day, I work in human resources. Um, but by, you know, through my own time, um, throughout my weekend, I love writing and telling stories um, and really kind of allowing my story and others um, to kind of transcend time and trials of our lives. And I think, um, you know, through 2020, I had the greatest ple pleasure of writing Beyond Life's Moments, um, which is kind of a nonfiction memoir style book that um, really is all about how we can spark our own personal transformation through some of the challenging chapters of our life. And it really is, I think, the best way um, to describe it is I really do try and take the readers on this journey of kind of bringing to light um, you know, kind of these dark times um, anywhere from, you know, battling cancer to dealing with depression, isolation and loneliness, um, and really kind of seeing how we can discover our passions and our purpose, um, you know, throughout and beyond um, these challenging times. So, and um, I think also as well, a little bit about me, um, I really, um, I graduated from John Carroll in 2019. Um, and um, through my story, um, I really kind of share um, how, you know, my education at John Carroll and also living here in Pittsburgh really had um, kind of allowed me to tell my story as well. Yeah, so, so kind of, you know, to get us started, maybe take us through your story, you know, maybe like the, you know, maybe not a book version, but a summary version of, you know, what, what are you all about and, you know, what have you gone through and how has that shaped who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So my you know, I would say for the first 15 years of my life, I kind of, you know, thought my life was perfect. Um, everything was normal. Um, you know, it didn't seem like trouble, like, in, you know, hit my family. But then on January 13th, actually, 2012, um, my life took a very um, dark turn. Um, on my dad's birthday, actually, I found out that he was diagnosed with a rare cancer, um, which is called O-factor neuroblastoma. And this cancer is, even to this day, almost nine, almost a decade later, um, there's still not much research on it. Um, it is um, so rare that there is only one doctor in the entire world that actually has studied this cancer and can perform a surgery on it. And of all places, they happen to be uh, at UPMC, uh, which is the hospital located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, so very coincidence, um, you know, and there's a whole story too about how almost six months before we found out about my dad's cancer, we were actually gonna move across the country to Oregon um, for my dad's work. But, um, but yeah, my dad was diagnosed um, and at the time he, he was gonna become like the guinea pig of this cancer. He is believed to still, to still be the longest survivor of this cancer. He's wow. doing well, he's doing awesome, but like we still, because of the uncertainty and the um, unprecedented kind of path that my family was going on, um, you know, we had no idea, you know, one moment, you know, he might be doing fine, the next minute he might have long-term effects that will impede not only him, but also myself and the rest of my family. So 
basically in 2012, I got a wake up call. And I think, you know, at age 15, I didn't know what to do other than I knew I had to stay, be there for my dad. I knew I had to see this through to the very end and kind of keep up this positive mindset and see that this could be the very thing that can, you know, strengthen our family, that can transform my life, lead me to my purpose and passion. I just kind of had this like intuition, I guess, at such a young age. And I think that really was the key that I think allowed me to not only persevere through that whole year, um, you know, but even allowed me to get through other setbacks that I had, um, including actually my mother being diagnosed with cancer um, about two years ago. Um, and I had about two other family members who passed away um, from cancer as well when I was kind of more late high school or to college. And then I also um, was battling my senior year of college with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. So definitely yeah. kind of, yeah, like really, I mean, through that initial experience, um, you know, I think, and also throughout the rest, it's just, I've always, even though it's so hard, um, because we're, we're so, we, we have hardwired ourselves to like view, like perceive negative things and like gravitate towards negativity. Like it's so hard to break that, but yet even at my lowest of lows, like I knew like there's nowhere to go, but up. like there's, you know, I need to see this through until the end. So, so, so take us through. So you're 15 years old, right? So your dad is struggling with, um, he's, he's diagnosed with pretty much, we'll say a rare form of cancer. That's like very, very unknown. You could say it's, you know, um, you have no idea what's going to happen, which I can imagine is really tough. Explain what, you know, I guess how that affected you and also how that sort of affected your family. Yeah. So, um, for me personally, I think it was, um, I, it, I think it was just this fork. Like I felt like just someone like threw a wrench into my entire life and for good and bad reasons. And I think it, it was certainly a wake up call. And I realized, um, you know, just how much precious time I have, you know, um, you know, with my family and even me. And I knew um, also as well that um, I had to kind of, make sure that my dad was still proud of me and make sure that I could be the best that I could be. And I mm. think, um, honestly, putting my energy towards my academics and the sports that I played, like lacrosse and field hockey, I mean, that really propelled me forward each day and gave me a purpose each day to stay strong for my dad. Um, and I think it was also hard for me because um, the town that I grew up in, um, although it was very protective um, and a great community, we it was kind of closed off like a bubble. Um, you know, I never, you never heard people talk about like cancer or even people like, you know, passing away. It just, I don't know, like it just wasn't talked about. And I felt so isolated and alone. But over time, you know, as I kind of worked through this with my family, um, I found out like a neighbor of mine, like was diagnosed with cancer several years ago. And I had a good lacrosse teammate that, you know, her mom, you know, her mom was diagnosed when she was only five. Um, you know, so it really kind of over time, I began to heal by kind of, you know, actively kind of finding community and support um, and finding the positive things that emerge beyond it. And as far as the rest of my family, I mean, my father was continuously resilient. I mean, my gosh, probably one of the bravest and strongest men I think I have ever known, um, you know, and I think my mom, she 
definitely became kind of, you know, wearing every single type of hat from caregiver to mom to, you know, a wife, but yet she was the rock of our family. Like she really, you know, made sure at the end of the day, like, you know, we had our talks, you know, that um, my dad got everything that he needed. Um, she really was the glue to our family. And my brother at the time, um, he was in college at Ohio State. Um, although he felt, you know, he couldn't help us because he was so far away. Um, and, and he felt like he didn't have a role per se in our family situation. Um, he decided to give back indirectly by um, um, work doing the For the Kids um, dance marathon at Ohio State. Um, he kind of took all his energy and kind of did a lot of like cancer, um, you know, things that help raise money for cancer, um, even doing his own research um, and really kind of supporting um, future families, you know, who have been diagnosed. So um, in our own ways, we've kind of had similar yet different battles, but all of us together collectively, you know, we couldn't have done it and gone through about each other. That's something that's super interesting, you know, so you said that when you grew up, you grew up in sort of like a I guess, a sheltered environment, right? And um, and up until 15, that's a little crazy. I mean, when I hear that, um, that idea is literally like, like what, you're, what you just described is like the entire plot of Sleeping Beauty. Like you just described the whole thing. Like Sleeping Beauty is she's, uh, <laughs> you know, her parents are uh, really overprotective. So they shelter her. She kind of stays in the woods away from society. And that's the problem is um, she ends up incredibly naive, right? Right, Because if you're sheltered, then you have no idea how to confront the reality because you've never seen reality before. And, um, and I got to ask, so um, how did that sort of play into, you know, the fact that it all sort of came up as a shock, you know, it's sort of, um, yeah, well, it came in as a, as a tremendous shock, obviously. How did that affect um, you getting PTSD in the future? Yeah, I think, honestly, I. Well, I think one big factor was um, whenever my dad was diagnosed, um, he kind of like sat down individually, both with me and my brother. And he just kind of told us both that the best thing that we can do for him right now is just to work hard at school and our sports and just stay happy and positive. Like that's what he told us to do. And like, um, and you know, and that's was what my brother thought his role was. I felt like I had a lot more to do just because I was there, you know, I, I lived and breathed the 16 hour surgery that he had, you know, I was, I basically was consumed by it every living minute. And I guess for me, like I, I stuck, I mean, when, you know, you have no idea when I had no idea, like if my dad had a, a day left, an hour left or so many years left. So I think like, I really knew that I had to stick that promise. And I, I pushed myself to be an overachiever in academics, in sports, in everything that I could. And although that got me through the day-to-day and um, I carried with that through me through college, um, it kind of, kind of, to be honest, it kind of like slapped me in the wrist like later on yeah. because I became very burnt out my senior year of college. And, um, you know, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do post-grad as I, you know, my leadership positions were ending, only had like three or four classes to take. I kind of felt like I was in this position of like, I don't have academics anymore. Like I've had it for like eight years, you know, and that's what I did with my dad and I promised him. Um, But I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like I had no reason to exist. And I was contemplating a lot of things and I just fell in a really dark void of just uncertainty and questioning even like my own worth. 
after so long. And to be honest too, like, I mean, even through the years, like, although, you know, I've written, I, I've used writing a lot as a healing process for me. And so I have journal, I have, I have stacks on journals, you know, all over the place. And I used writing in a lot of different ways, including through my book as a healing mechanism to kind of talk through and recollect like what happened to me and my family. But yet, honestly, though, it wasn't really until like the last maybe year when I wrote this book that I finally come, came to terms with really how I felt and what I went through. And I think a lot of those feelings and thoughts that I held on to, like as a burden, I didn't let go of them. Like I was still dealing with them my senior year of high school, like seven or eight years later. And I think collectively as a whole, I think that's really what, how I kind of, I thought I was heading uphill and I did, but then I kind of went back down really quickly. Um, and I think that's, you know, and I talk about that in my book, how I think that became you know, that was a very, not only a wake up call for me, but a very a huge turning point in my like life in terms of personal and professionally as well. So how did you actually, so you said you were an overachiever, right? So what was it exactly that slapped you on the wrist in that? Because usually you think of an overachiever as someone who's good, right? Like going and striving for the best you could be. How could that sort of um, backfire? Yeah, I think like how I really noticed it was, you know, in school, I was the one that you know, I raised my hand every single time there was a question being asked. I was the one that, you know, had the rubric and I would try and go above and beyond what was expected. Um, I was achieve, I was beyond achieve expectations and I would not accept anything lower than an A. I was kind of that perfect. And yeah. I think, you know, having some, and I think the other thing too, like having something to achieve, like a goal like that, like, oh, I need to get an A or I need to complete this project. Like, I, I think that's kind of um, what motivates me and then kind of not, you know, my senior year, not having, um, you know, types of classes that really had that. It was more like, okay, you just work on like your senior capstone, you know, um, I think that was, you know, kind of a point where like I was starting to relax a little bit, but then it was like, I think what also to latch on to, you had yeah. not, nothing to really ground you. Exactly. And I think it was, yeah, it just, it kept me going. It was kind of like the fuel to my fire. And then all of a sudden I ran out of it and I kind of felt stuck. And I felt like, you know, I, you know, although I did not have plans to like go and extend my education at the time, it was, you know, I still even questioned, I was like, should I literally continue going to school just so I can have something to do? Or like, you know, do I need to maybe stop and like actually like pursue the dream job that I want? Um, yeah, and I, I think it, it's just kind of like I hit such a wall that it's kind of like everything that I worked for, um, you know, got me through the moments, but then it was like, now I'm at this huge turning point in my life, you know, homework's not going to carry me through, you know, kind yeah. of the next chapter of my life. The decisions that I make, you know, the choices and how I perceive things, you know, that's what's going to carry me forward. Well, that's, that's such an interesting thing that you just brought up. You're like, should I go back? Should I go to college? Should I get a master's? Should I get a PhD? Should I just keep going to school just so that I could keep um, this sense of meaning that I have in my life? And um, there was this one stat that, that described perfectly what you were just describing. It was um, that they did a study at Berkeley of people who graduated with their PhD and um, they, you know, followed them after they graduated and said, you know, how are you feeling after they graduated? 47% of them went through some bout of depression. 
47% because yeah, it's like, you know, imagine you spend your whole life being the overachiever, being the person who chases, um, who chases, you know, grades and A's and the, the little short-term goals that, that school gives you. And then imagine it just going all the way at once. It's, it's a, it's a scary experience. Yes. And I think too, it's definitely, I think as well, it was just, yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was like a part of me was like completely ripped out and just like, and I, and I think, oh, I had that void for a while. And I, oh, and oh, although I did graduate and I did, you know, kind of feel a little better about it. I think what was really nice was writing this book, I think really filled that gap for me, um, you know, because I could in a way, you know, even though I did, you know, we didn't have a teacher that, you know, said, okay, you have to do this every single night, or, you know, like, this is due, or no tests, I still had something, like, goal-wise and motivation-wise to keep me busy and do something also meaningful as well, um, so I think, yeah, I think since I've graduated, I think writing has, um, on my own for fun, and just even through this book, I think it's definitely kind of, kind of healed that spot that kind of was fractured for a while. Interesting. So, so how did, so your book is all about, it's, it's writing about yourself, you know, it's sort of digging into your own journey learning more about, you know, I'm assuming throughout this whole entire process, you learn more about yourself. So yeah, like, I guess, what were the things that you've learned along the way? Yeah, I, well, I think to tell you the truth, I think one of the biggest things that I learned, um, mm -hmm. I would say even right, be right before I, I wrote this book, but even as I wrote this book, I learned that I, I am just a huge believer and proponent of just knowing even at the end of each day, I grew somehow. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this amazing, like, oh, I discovered something like incredible um, or, you know, I completed, you know, I ran a marathon. Like, it's not like growth like that. I think it's more just like, you know, each day I became a bit better or a bit wiser or even a bit, um, stronger in kind of, you know, being able to um, love the journey that I'm on. Um, also being able to really appreciate and put out my passions, um, you know, to the world. And I think also to also recognize that there's so much more ahead of me. Um, I think that, yeah, I think another, yeah, with the growth part, like I think I really, through this book also recognized about myself that this was probably the really the first time I actually got to be my authentic self and mm -hmm. it's and it's weird like it, I mean like I always felt like over the years through high school and college I was my true self but then it's like I, I when I put my heart and soul into this book and I read it and I see kind of it's weird it, it, it gives me goosebumps reading my own book because it's like you know I kind of feel like I need to write this letter to like my younger self and like and be like, oh boy, like just wait till you see like the journey that you've been on. Like it's marvelous. It's ups and downs, like twists and turns, but like just hang in there because like it's worthwhile. Um, yeah. I kind of wish I can like tell my younger self to like, you know, keep, keep, keep the mindset that I had, stick with the promises and just, just hang on to the ride because like it's, it's worth it. Well, that's the thing that I noticed in my own life. Like as I sort of went through, I realized that I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. Like I wasn't really seeing how everything fits in and how like um, 
how one thing that I could do, I could learn from it and, um, you know, and, um, and make myself better, you know, like if I fit, you know, in a school example, like if I fail this test, then you know what I can, um, I, I could study better and do all these things to get an A, like, you know, the sort of like these ideas. And I never really put those pieces together. And then I realized as I, you know, I started journaling probably about a little less than a year ago. And I realized that as I journal, I sort of put the pieces together. Like I, I look back into my life and realize, oh, this actually kind of fit in with that. And I find it so meaningful. That, yeah, and that's, that's kind of, yeah, journaling, the way I journaled, actually really helped me come up with the lessons I talk about in my book like and yeah like to your point like it it's weird because like sometimes when I when I journaled mostly I do like a day-by-day like vlog or something like that um and that's kind of what I did like during like my dad's like cancer journey um but that's kind of when like I pieced it all together pieced my journey over the years like I found like through my story and even interviewing like about 20 or 30 other individuals in my book I, there, there were these like emerging lessons and, you know, that were reoccurring that, you know, I saw how not only helped me with, you know, um, my dad's cancer, but helped me get through a tough situation at work or, you know, helped me get through a lacrosse game or something like that. And I think like, it was just, it took a lot of time to piece it together. But I think that's, I think the one amazing thing about, um, about life challenges, life moments is like what you learn from experience is so critical. Like, and I think that was also one of the huge wake up calls, like with the academics as well. It's like, yeah, I could sit in the classroom the rest of my life. I could, you know, I can learn, I can take notes and do homework, but like, I'm never going to gain that valuable experience unless I go out there. And I think that was, and I feel like, you know, I learned just as much through my own challenges and ups and downs as I learned in the classroom or in my own work. And I think when you have that realization, it's like, it's almost like, why, not, why haven't I learned this like years ago? Like, why didn't I know about this? Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible to see how, you know, being vulnerable, you know, to your parents or to a loved one can also be applied to when you're being vulnerable with your manager or like coworkers. Um, yeah, it's a very powerful thing to see how the lessons in your personal life can be applicable in other um, aspects of your life. So describe when you're actually, you know, reflecting on these things, you know, when you're um, trying to understand, you know, what are these lessons that I did learn from experience through this journaling process? What, what exactly, you know, take us through essentially your daily routine of how you journal. So is it very structured or is it more of, um, you know, just, I'm just going to write and whatever comes to mind comes to mind, or, um, you know, do you journal in the morning and night, you know, what is sort of your routine? Journaling, um, I would say when I first started journaling, it was very much like I, I usually wrote at the end of the day. Um, and it usually was a recap of everything that happened. And that's how, and I used that for quite a while, actually. But then when I went off to college at John Carroll, um, I real that's when I kind of where my journaling evolved. And I kind of went from still kind of talking about and or if there was like a really high point in my life, I really wanted to remember or reflect upon. Um, like I would write that down and remember it later. Most of my journaling was very spontaneous actually. Um, 
it could, yeah, it could be at 6 a.m. in the morning, right when I woke up, or it could be, you know, literally in the middle of the night, I wake up and be like, wait, I have a thought. And um, it sounds crazy, but it's like, I think um, usually, yeah, like the journaling, it's usually ideas. I usually piece things together. Um, I serve, it serves a reflecting point, or there's even been times where like, um, you know, when I would go to school and there would be mass, um, or when I would attend, um, like one of my sorority meetings, like someone would say something so impactful. And I'm like, wait a minute, somebody needs to capture this moment. So like, I would have my journal ready to go and like write it down. Cause so I think, and I think that's what I like about writing too. It's like, it, it's writing has been, you know, it's not only been a hobby of mine, it's just been like, it's authentically a part of who I am um, at this point. Um, you can't take the writing out of me anymore, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of how my journaling is. It's just, it's very, it, it just comes up and um, is very spontaneous, but I love that though, because it, it kind of, you know, those moments happen in the blink and a flash or somebody says something that like, you know, tugs at your heart for a second and you just kind of have to remember it, remember that feeling. Um, that's kind of why I always carry with me like a journal, like always, or a notepad, because I know like later I'm going to write about it. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm taking notes as you're doing <laughs> this, but I mean, I literally at all times in there, I always do have a journal because I find that, you know, inspiration doesn't wait for you to have a pen, a pencil and a pen, a uh, pencil and paper, you know, mm -hmm. but I also find, you know, every day I have a set time to, um, to write and to do my journal. And I find that, I don't know if you do that, but it's incredibly, incredibly impactful because what happens is so I noticed that, um, like there was a point during this, um, during this last break that I spent two days without journaling. And, um, and I realized that throughout that time, I didn't have any moments of creativity. I didn't have any moments of, of, you know, wonder. I just had moments where I just got lost in the routine. And I just, um, well, I was sort of living like an animal, you could say, or living like, a, you know, um, like unconscious of, of my entire life. I was just sort of going through the motions. And I find that when I journal every single day, it forces me to sit down and like literally think about, okay, you know what? I guess I should think about what's going on in my day instead of just going through the motions. Absolutely, yeah. I think too, like it, when you journal, because this is one thing that I, um, come that good six to eight month period when I was really struggling with my anxiety, like, and PTSD, like I really, I, I even had, I had, I had like my agenda and I had to like physically fit it in some days, but like, I kind of took 10, 15 minutes, like every day. It was mostly in the evening, like after meetings or after homework. And like, I just kind of had that moment to myself. And it was a moment for me to really reflect on. And I usually journaled it too, but it was always about, you know, what am I grateful today for? Like what happened? Like that made me, you know, feel love that made me feel myself. Um, like feel appreciated. Like I kind of wrote down all these positive things and like seeing it like on paper, like seeing each day, everything that happened. I mean, that really got me to really recognize the positivity back in my life. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's like when people tell you to do like, oh, like 20 minutes of exercise, you know, a 10 minute meditation, you know, 10 minutes of journaling, just quiet time to yourself. Like, yeah, it, it can be the difference between like, you know, how you start your day, how you end with it, and like your perspective kind of, you know, through the moments. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's really incredible. And you, you touched on something that's really, um, well, 
well, profound. Like, and the fact that you're saying, you know, journaling and just reflecting on your experiences really helped you through, you know, every single thing that, you know, every single thing that you've gone through and, um, you know, in, in terms of being resilient. So I do want to sort of understand, you know, your story and, you know, sort of, you know, we've, we've already gone through like your story in terms of what happened to you. Now I want to see how you responded to it. Like, what were the things that you, that you sort of um, did to handle it? So, I mean, you know, um, there's the traditional story of, you know, being um, in a sheltered environment and then you see the world for the first time and it's pure, I guess, evilness is that is that a good way of saying it or the fact that you know we deteriorate like the fact that it's bad like there are these evil sides to the world and um and a lot of people crumble from that so clearly you did not crumble your dad got cancer and um you were sheltered and what was it that you did to sort of allow you to push through instead of you know really um crumbling yeah i i guess a good way to put it too i and, and how i talk about my book it's like i kind of shattered reality like it, yeah. i kind of yeah i i burst out of that bubble and although it was hard, I did it. And it was a very, um, I'm glad I did it, especially before college, um, you know, and I also, I think, so I guess for me with, once I kind of broke out of that bubble, I think one thing that really <laughs> ironically helped me um, and really got me through was besides academics and, um, you know, sports and just being and having a really strong, community like community I had a couple really close friends I had my coaches and even some local family members um, who really were the backbone um, you know to our support and just making sure you know you know both my mom and I you know you know were doing well and handling and things and also making sure that like you know my dad was getting to you know every radiation appointment every you know you know all the surgeries that he had he was you know made sure that he was going to be okay um, the one thing that really helped me was actually writing a book. I actually wrote a book before, <laughs> before my book. Um, and it was actually for a class that I took in high school. And, you know, at the time, obviously I wasn't in the mood to write about like, you know, you know, it was a children's book class. So like, you know, like you had to write about lighthearted topics and stuff like that. But obviously no, I was not in the mood. Yeah. I was gonna say like, like, I can't write, like, that was all that was on my mind. Like, you know, people were writing about like, you know, hidden worlds and closets and like gardens. And I'm like, no, like I can't write about this stuff right now. But my teacher really pushed me and like really said, you know, one thing that would really help me, it would be to write about, you know, my dad's journey, but from a children's perspective. And that's what I did. I, and I will tell you that was probably one of the hardest, but most rewarding things I ever done. I think I remember like I worked on it like quietly through the night because it was one of those things where it was like I didn't really I wanted to kind of keep it a surprise for like my parents but also when I was working on it like I had tears of joy and also I had tears of like sadness because it was like you know I was writing about you know what happened during the surgery post-surgery and like and it was kind of heartbreaking to like relive those memories at first but then like I ended up smiling through it and like even laughing at some points because it was like, wow, like, look at this, like, look at like how far we've come. And I remember after like presenting it, um, I actually ended up giving it to my dad for Father's Day. And that was, I wanted to, you know, it was not only a gift for him, like just for the day, but I really thought that book 
would, although it was only like 10 pages long, I thought it would be a really great way to really tell my dad, not only how scared I was, you know, at the time going through this, but also recognizing how much I loved him, how proud I was to be his daughter and also recognizing like, like, look how far we've come. Um, And I think being able to read it to him and seeing his reaction, um, he still keeps it um, when I come visit, he still keeps it at his nightstand drawer because, you know, like he holds on to it to this day because it, it, it was just, that was probably that. And like, there was like another couple moments later on after that time, but like, that was the first moment where it was like, I knew just how much I've grown from that experience. And I knew that it was kind of, yeah, it was just kind of like, I felt the burden. I felt everything just release and let go. Um, And I think that, so I think that was, there's a lot of, there's a lot of transformative experiences over the years, but I think that one was truly the initial one. Yeah. I want to question you on that. So first of all, how old were you when, when you wrote that book? I was 15. You were 15. Going on 16, yeah. So you did it as you were kind of um, going through the experience, right? I'm guessing that was what, like six months after your dad received the diagnosis? It was about, let me think. So January he was diagnosed and then February was the surgery. Um, And then I wrote that book for my class like in April. So it was only, yeah, it was very like three or four months. And then I finally presented to him in June, Father's Day. Wow, wow. I mean, that's so... The thing that like, I'm, I'm a big psychoanalysis guy and the way that the way that you described it, explained to me your entire journey, like literally exactly what happened as you went through, you're saying that, you know, you were you were somewhat naive as you went as you went through the process, because obviously you were sheltered. And then you wrote about it from a children's perspective. And I mean, you know, if, if we're to talk about the fact that you were 15 and you were sheltered, you were still a child at that point, right? You were still, or at least you had a child's mindset because you were, um, well, you were, you were sheltered, right? You were, you had never seen the, you had never seen the world. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if, you know, the fact that you were talking about it in such a, like, in such a profound way, it sort of feels like you were talking to like yourself at the same time. Like, as you were going through, you were sort of saying, Hey, listen, like, you haven't had time to process this yet. Let me explain it to you in the simplest way possible so you can sort of understand it. Is that kind of how yeah. it is? No, yeah, I, and that's also, and it, it, yeah, and it's funny because it's like, that's even kind of how I kind of proceed like even beyond life's moments is, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of reasons why I write, why I wrote that children's book. Obviously it was for a grade and other reasons. And there's a lot of reasons why I wrote Beyond Life's Moments. But I think one of the, similar underlying reasons was I really wanted to write a book that if I could go back in time you know I'm a huge Harry Potter fan so like if I could rewind the time turner and go back you know and give a book to my younger self on that day when I found out on my dad's cancer like it would be that children's book it would be beyond life's moments I think and I and I and I think what the way I wrote it and the way I kind of took myself and the way, the types of reflection points that I have throughout my book. I think like it really, I wanted to, this book to serve as a kind of the, both of them as this living proof of like, you know, nobody, whether it was my dad or myself, like, you know, you know, one told us like, 
no, you can't, you're not going to get through this. Like no one kind of put the hold, but there was so much uncertainty. Like, you know, there were some teachers that didn't know how to support me other than just like, I'll be here. Or like, you know, I, a lot of my friends like never experienced like stuff like this. So they, you know, they're just like, I wish I can help more. Um, you know, even doctors said, well, like, we're just going to go through this blindly. Like, let's just go for it. You know? And I think like nobody said no. And that was the big thing. Like nobody said we couldn't, I couldn't do this or I couldn't, um, you know, there was no way forward. And I think, um, you know, being able to be that living proof and say like, this is possible. Like there's so much good positivity that can come out of dark times, uncertainty, trauma. Um, I think was, I, yeah, I think that's just been one of the greatest things about the, this book is just being able to see that it's good living proof for myself as a reminder and also to help others as well. Well, it also seemed like, yeah, I mean, you were going through it blind and it sounded like you sort of, you weren't really prepared going through it. It's like, you know, so all these things sort of hit you from, from left field and right field and all these places. And you really had no idea that it was coming. So when you say you want to give the book back to yourself, which one of the books would you want to give back to yourself as a kid? If you had to choose, uh, would it be the, um, would it be the children's book or Beyond Life's Moments? I think it would be Beyond Life's Moments. And I think the reason I think probably why is, um, I, although the children's book, I think was, um, truly, I mean, a lot of the stories obviously transcend into beyond life's moments. I really, I think the big difference is I wrote it in a way, the way I kind of wrote the children's book is I kind of really complimented my dad more, um, mm -hmm. and really kind of put my dad a little bit higher on the pedestal and just kind of, um, you know, I was in the background. I acknowledged kind of how my mom did, my brother did myself, but like my dad was the main focal point. I think in Beyond Life's Moments, um, after kind of what I went through even seven years later after that, um, I really kind of, I feel like Beyond Life's Moments is, um, I think what I'm most proud of because of just, you know, seeing that I'm still a work in progress. I am certainly, my journey is certainly not done. It's, it's only just begun. Um, and I think being, but yet being able to see how far I've come, um, I, I love the way Beyond Life's Moments has captured that. So I would say Beyond Life's Moments. Hmm. Interesting. And then, so, I mean, I mean, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool how you essentially just, you know, figured out everything for yourself, sort of from the past, you know, let me see if I could explain that better. You, you recounted all your experiences and then put them together in, in a, you know, um, in a way that you would understand them. I think, I think that's really cool. Um, I do want to get into, so now you got through, um, you know, when you were 15, 16, and then you said senior year sort of happened and you had, yeah, anxiety, PTSD, and depression. And what was, you know, what was that sort of like? And also how did you push through that? Yeah, so I was gonna say, so um, fast forwarding six and a half years, roughly later to senior year of college, it, it definitely, it, there was a lot of repetition. I will tell you that. Um, and that's no coincidence that usually happens. But I think what I mean by the repetition is, so whenever I kind of found out um, that um, I had PTSD, had an anxiety attack, and then kind of went down this, huge spiral of kind of depression. Um, I kind of was, I felt like I was kind of teetered like on a seesaw where, and it 
felt like there were some moments where I was like, I have to stay positive. Like I can get through this, no problem. But then the negativity was like a heavy weight just dragging me down. And I think, um, and battling with that was very similar to kind of initially dealing with my dad's um, cancer. But I think what was kind of reflective is the same lessons that got me through my dad's cancer were the very things that not only that, um, you know, I was revisiting my journals and kind of reading through those over the years to kind of help me get through my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had my sorority sisters, my teachers, um, close friends, like they were kind of, you know, without even knowing it, they were kind of telling me um, these things that were the lessons that I learned from my um, dad's cancer. Like, so, I mean, some of the lessons like that I've talked about, like I talk about in my book is like vulnerability. I talk about gratitude, compassion, authenticity, like just to name a few, but like, I really kind of recognized that, you know, again, like it, it, it's weird because it's like, although I, in you know, although my dad's cancer was like completely unplanned and my PTSD anxiety was kind of like an indirect, probably like consequence, like three, you know, of yeah. that, it was, it was just interesting how, um, you know, although we didn't like put this burden on ourselves, like um, we, I, the same building blocks, like, or these capabilities, like kind of, I call them, like they kind of ins- reminded me and instilled in me that this is just a test. Like this is, you know, you're meant to experience challenges in your life. Um, and I knew, <laughs> I knew since my dad's cancer, like, yeah, your life's not perfect, but, um, and that was like a, again, like a huge realization that I had is like, you know, I, I look forward to now, like after dealing with that, my senior year, I look forward to more challenges. Like I'm ready. Like I, and I know I'm not scared of them. I'm not, you know, going to be in that fight, flight or freeze mode anymore. Like I'm, I wreck, I think what both of those experiences really taught me. And it's kind of how I got through both of them is recognizing that this could be just preparing me for the next thing it, or this could have been a wake up call. And, you know, I have no idea why, you know, you you know, you could ask the question why so many times it's the best and worst question you can ask yourself um, because it can take you down a rabbit hole of so many like what ifs and all that. But, um, but I think what both of those experiences really taught me is, you know, setbacks, challenges can really make, can give you, you know, there's, there's two things they can do. They can either stop you in your tracks or they can force you to get creative and learn and grow from your experiences and discover what awaits you. That's really the two things challenges can do. And I've seen it. I've gone down both paths, but somehow ultimately I end up still steering myself back to the growth part. Um, So yeah, I would say that's kind of when I talk about like how both of them work different yet very similar. I think it's just kind of how the same being able to grow from it and viewing it as this learning opportunity um, and as transformative in my life in later on. Um, that's kind of how they're both very similar. Wow. Wow. No, that's, that's really interesting. So that, that, that was very, very good, but yes, take it, take us through. So exactly what was it like and um, what were the exact lessons that you sort of, um, that you learned from this experience in college? So when, so real specifically, um, when I was, um, 
diagnosed, like diagnosed, or kind of like the time I was diagnosed, um, obviously was when kind of, like I talked about earlier, like my leadership positions, academics were winding down. Um, and really the big things that I was experiencing was I was feeling so much like, like worthlessness. Like I just felt so useless at this point. Yeah. Um, I felt very, I felt isolated. I like, I actually like really unintentionally like distanced myself from my friends, from events. Um, and I think the other thing too was I, I also felt very like not engaged in anything. Like I even remember um, it was kind of like right. It was like right after, cause it, I got diagnosed in October um, and then kind of, you know, we had our winter break and I came back and I was still pretty bad, like January and February. Okay. And I remember like the first week of classes, like, um, like I didn't raise my hand at all. I was silent the entire time. Like, I just was like, so like, thing. and I remember like one of my teachers, like coming up to me and being like, are you really okay? Like, like, this does not, this is not you. And like, yeah. I even, yeah, there was like so many people that came up to me and was like, recognize that something was wrong with me or I wasn't myself. And I think, I think my, my spring semester, my last semester was interesting um, because I, well, first of all, I did my last semester kind of partially remote from school um, okay. where I, I would go for a week and then I would come home, I would come home to Pittsburgh because I had, um, I had a therapist I was talking to. I yeah. actually had a, I was doing like neuro, like brain feedback, actually. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I was doing kind of like, I, I refused to do any medications mm -hmm. um, just for personal sure. preference. I did not want to do any, didn't want to get on anything. Um, so what I did is I did a lot more like homeopathic um, ways to cope. I did, I did a lot of um, like, I went to a chiropractor, got adjusted neurofeedback. Um, and even just had like conversations with a therapist and counselor. And I, that's what I did like my off weeks in school. And I did that for like four months. Wow. Um, and I think that really got me to like, kind of like a neutral level, right? Like it got me to the point where I could like, at least be like, okay, I'm at least going to try and be like active in class or, you know, I might at least, you know, attend a sorority event, like sure. Um, but I think what really got me over the edge because, you know, especially because I was dealing with insomnia, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, you know, I, my appetite wasn't the same. Like it was I just, I was all over the place. But I think what really, I think got me to a really good place or um, was um, actually kind of when I was, it was actually my last week at John Carroll. Um, I was kind of like wrapping up my capstone project um, and kind of packing things up. And I kind of, you know, was packing. You know, I just kind of was had this realization. Again, I've had, the, you know, everybody kind of gets these like, you know, these manifestations, these moments where it's like, wait a minute, like, that's it. Um, I just kind of had this like reflective moment. And I recognized that, you know, the text that my friends sent me or the phone calls I had or conversations, um, you know, with my teachers, you know, they really, they really believed in me. And, you know, they knew my story. They knew how far I've come, like, you know, and I think they were reminding me, 
you know, when they had chats with me or running into me in between classes, like, and I was kind of telling them that, like, I'm still in this funk or, like, I'm still in this really dark place right now. All of them kept reminding me of my comeback story and, you know, kept reminding me that, you know, that, you know, there's, you know, they were so excited to see what the rest of my life had for me. They were more excited about my life than I was about my own. And I think like realizing that and recognizing that like I literally was in my own way. I really was. And I think I was in my own way, not just even getting through the next day, but like growing and seeing like my, put my passions into action and seeing my purpose. And I think that was, um, I think truly that was the like aha moment was, um, you know, really realizing that, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you could have, you know, so many people telling you, you can do this, but it's like, you have to believe it in yourself. Um, and you have to feel like you can do it. Um, and I definitely think, you know, I had to make sure that I was hopeful and I, you know, also really appreciated that. Yeah, this was definitely a, a valid, a bottom of the valley type of moment, but I, I love it just as much as the high points in my life because, yeah. you know, I think it was, it truly has brought me to this moment and yeah, I wouldn't change anything about it. I, th- I think you touched on such an important idea, you know, right there when you say, you know, it's, you have to believe in it. And when you say you have to believe that you're going to be better, it's not like a, it's not like an understanding type of thing. It's not like a, I consciously realize it. It's like, it's an emotion, right? You're like, I actually feel like things will get better. I actually, you know, I, I know in my heart that things will get better. It's not more of a, uh, I understand, or I know that it will get better because, well, you know, I, I deal with people who, um, who are trying to get rid of, you know, my book is all about bad habits, right? So it's all about, you know, let's say quitting smoking, for example, or eating less, um, it's all about, you know, everybody knows that they shouldn't be smoking, right? Everybody, you know, like most of the people who smoke, I think it was like 70% say that they want to quit, but they just can't. It's more of a feeling. It's more of like, I feel like I need to do it. I, I feel like I could get better. I feel like I'm worth, you know, um, I'm worth more than I am right now. And I think um, that in and of itself is such a, it's such a powerful idea. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it, it really, yeah, it, it, it's, it was, it was, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's one of those feelings that's like, I, I feel like, you know, it's probably going to happen again at some point, but it's, it kind of was just like, my soul was on fire in a good feeling though. Like it was just like burning inside and I had this renewed energy and I felt kind of even it was, it was just like all this self-love and like, just kind of washed over me because, and it was a feeling of, I did feel a little ashamed because it was like, I can't believe I treated myself so badly or doubted myself, but it was also just a renewed feeling in the sense that I, 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 I kind of could see ahead of me. Like I could see, or, and I had that in confidence that I never had in a really long time that was like, I know what I want to do. Like, or, you know, I definitely had that feeling like, you know, although I don't have a job right now, I know like where I'm headed um, or I know um, this is in the future. Like, I know this is my beyond. Um, I just have to get there. 
And I think like, yeah, recognizing that you could, you know, you could be in the way of your own growth and you can be, you know, you can be your own roadblock in a sense on your journey. Um, and recognizing that I think is, yeah, I think that's going to be, I, I think that's going to be help a lot of people. And I think I, I really do hope like as people read my book and, you know, journal throughout or reflect upon it, I really hope they reckon, you know, make sure and ask themselves like, am I really in my own way? Like, is, is there, is there a physical roadblock? Is there someone blocking it? Or is it really me yeah. in my own way of my own growth? I find almost all the time that it's whenever, whenever I'm struggling with something, it's me in my own way. That's, mm-hmm. that's almost all it is. But anyways, that was a great transition. Uh, I think we've hit sort of the end. And I think you must tell everybody as a little final pitch, why should everybody buy your book, Beyond Life's Moments? I think um, people will really benefit um, by reading Beyond Life's Moments because I really do take um, the readers on this journey of kind of self-discovery, self-growth, and really trying to bring your challenging chapters to light and kind of reach that end of the tunnel and really discover what is in your beyond. And um, I really do think not even just my story, but the 20 um, other individuals who are in my book. um, I mean, I get so many happy tears just reading their stories. It's incredibly moving. Um, not even, and, I, and I feel incredibly blessed not only to know these people, but to even call them inspirations in my life and true heroes in my book. Um, and I think um, I really do hope um, when people read my book that they can really recognize that there's so much good already and so much things greater and better ahead of them. But all you have to do is just take that step forward and see this challenge challenge as just the thing that's preparing you for what's yet to come. Mm, I love that. I love that. So for everybody who wants to buy Nicole Spindler's book, the link will be below in the description. And um, also do not forget, I also have a book, Break Your Bad Habits in 150 Pages, A Hero's Journey. So if you are struggling with any bad habits, of course, my book is here for you. That will also be in the description. And um, Nicole Spindler, thank you for coming on. Of course, I'm glad we could talk.